Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday women share stories of God's love. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today we have Kelly's story from Tupelo. And Kelly is a team member of our newest city, Tupelo, Mississippi. And y'all, we love that team and we love her. You're going to hear in her voice the sweet Southern drawl that as you listen, you feel like you know her because her compassion yeah. and her love oozes out as she shares. You do. You feel like you're kind of walking along the journey with her. And one of the things that Kelly does is as we were listening to it, we were like, this is all about storytellers yeah. and why storytellers was born. The power of your story and the message that you give to other people about Jesus when you tell your story. She touches on so many things from abuse when she was younger to abortion to ultimately adoption. And it's powerful. So I think you're going to enjoy listening to her. Here's Kelly. You'll hear in Kelly's story that she talks about our Bible study, which is Discover Your Story. And we've had some questions about what exactly that is. Katie, tell us. That's right. It's an eight-week Bible study. And, you know, honestly, guys, it is perfect for either a small group or to do individually on your own. We've had a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I want to sit down and write my story because <laughs> it is called Discover Your Story. But what it really is about is kind of along the lines of what Kelly speaks about in her message is it's about hearing God show up in other people's stories, how you find hope through that, and how you find Him in the midst of the details of your life by listening to other people's stories. So it's available on our website. Exactly. Go to storytellerslive.org and click on Discover Your Story. You can read more about it and purchase it for $15. And if you sign up for our email list through our website, you can even get the first chapter for free and you can see what it's all about. So hop over to our website, storytellerslive.org, sign up for the email and order today. So my name is Kelly William. I am 48 years old. I'm married to Stan. We've been married for 20 years. And as a matter of fact, 21 next week, uh, or not next week, next month, God willing. We have four children and our first grandbaby on the way. He's due in October. We're really excited about that. I'm the director of a nonprofit here in Tupelo called Stone Stories Ministries. When my friend Tina Rose called me several months ago and said, would you like to be a part of a Bible study called Discovering Your Story? And we will listen to podcasts of women talking about their everyday real life experiences with God. And that podcast is called Storytellers Live. Would you like to be a part of it? And my answer was absolutely. I mean, I have a nonprofit called Story, you know, Stone Stories. I, I was trying today. I was like, you, there's going to be three stories. You got to get them all right. Stone Stories is my nonprofit. The book is Discovering Your Story. The podcast is Storytellers Live. So obviously, stories have been a huge and valuable part of my life. It's only fitting today. I hope that I get out of the way and I honor God by sharing this story with you. To begin, growing up, I was always in church. My granddaddy was a preacher. My uncle was a preacher. My cousin was a preacher. Even going back, all the way back in my family, we have preachers all the way back to the circuit riders, and they were men who would ride horses and go from town to town uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I always knew about God. I can't remember a time that I've ever not known about God, but there is a huge difference in knowing about God and knowing God. The first part of my journey with God, I would say, was religion. There was not a relationship. 
it was religion. When I was a little girl, I remember I had what I call now like my Santa Claus theory of, of God. If I, you know, if I acted right, if I really believed, you know, that I would get, receive good things, you know, like, so with Santa Claus, you know, if I'm good and I do the right thing and I really believe with all my heart, then I'm going to get good things. And so that's kind of how I viewed God, uh, you know, around the age of nine is when that theory was completely blown out of the water for me because a series of traumatic events began to unfold in my life. I'm not going to go into detail on any of those today. I'm just going to bullet point these traumatic events that started around the age of nine. At the age of nine, I was sexually abused by somebody that my family trusted greatly and loved and that I loved and trusted. About the same time frame, my mother was diagnosed with a chronic progressive illness that eventually took her life. Um, at the age of around 15, I was involved in a very serious car accident, and I broke my pelvis. It took a lot of time to get over that accident. I was given a lot of prescription pain medicine. I started drinking with the prescription medicine, and I started doing illegal drugs with that prescription pain medication. Things were spiraling out of control very rapidly, and at 18, I found myself with an unplanned pregnancy, and I chose to have an abortion. So my Santa Claus theory was like completely blown out of the water. (laughs) At about the age of 24, I found myself completely unhappy and with a whole lot of incredibly unhealthy coping skills. At that time, I just surrendered my life to Christ. I just went back to the thing that I had heard about and known about. And what that looked like for me was simply sitting in my room, bawling my eyes out, and I just cried out to God. And I was like, Lord, if you are real, I'm going to need you to show me that right now. I'm going to need you to save me. And immediately, There was a peace and an assurance and a hunger to know more about God. My life circumstances, though, did not change. That theory, the Santa Claus theory, my life circumstance did not change, but there was now a peace and an assurance. And as I began to seek God, He gave me that hunger. And so I started reading my Bible. I didn't always understand my Bible, but I read my Bible. I started seeking other people that were seeking God because I wanted to learn from them. I started listening to worship music because it just really moved me. You know, those were just some of the things that God started leading me on as he was developing a relationship with me. He started off slow, you know. He showed me what it was like to have a relationship with somebody. You know, I hear people all the time in dating relationships say, well, we're taking it slow. And so I kind of like to think of that God in that way as he was the perfect gentleman. He didn't ask too much at the beginning, but slowly, you know, as we developed a relationship, he would ask me to trust him a little bit more. And he would just, he just really started like taking care of me the way a gentleman would take care of me, a good daddy or a good, you know, who I would want my daughters to marry kind of person. And so he really wooed me. And during this time, like I said, the circumstances in my life didn't necessarily change, but my relationship with God had changed. And so I was able to kind of see him differently. Well, growing up, I was a 
horrible student. I don't know if any of my teachers are here today. And if, if they are or if they ever hear this podcast, I want to apologize for being that student. And I did not learn well in a traditional classroom. I just didn't. But if you could take a story and apply it to a concept, then I could get it. What started happening in my relationship with God is, um, I'll give you an example. During this time, my husband and I started experiencing years of infertility. I really wrestled with God. You know, I didn't turn back to the old coping skills. I was trying really hard to, to listen to God. I didn't always, I still don't always listen to God. I think I am, but I have my own ideas, you know, because they make sense. But I'm learning that just because it makes sense doesn't mean that that's what God's saying to do. My husband and I were going through all this these infertility issues, and I'll make a very long story short because I, I could have y'all here all day because I love to tell you what God has done in my life. I mean, he's just amazing. After several years of miscarriages and, and fertility treatments and all these different things, God blessed us with twin daughters through adoption. Originally, adoption had not been my idea. I had my in my mind, I wanted to be in that birthing club. You know, I wanted all those things that come along with it. But God just worked it out beautifully. He wooed me. He got me there. And once we got there, that day that we got the call for my twins was the day, the due date for the twins that I had miscarried. And so God brought the scripture to life through a story which says, he will give you a double portion instead of your shame and guilt. And so through that story, my story, God brought that scripture to life for me because that's how I learn through stories. And so a few years later, we're going to adopt again. And I had this plan in my head about what made sense. And but I, again, had been walking a little further with the Lord. And I had learned that sometimes you just got to step out when it doesn't make sense. We were asked to be in an open adoption with a girl, and that did not make sense to me, but I did feel like I was supposed to go and meet her. I did go and meet her, and it was the strangest experience. I don't, I'm going to try to tell you the best way I know how. I was going to meet this girl. She was at a restaurant. They were in a booth. She was sitting on one side of the booth, and the social worker was sitting on the other side. She had her back to me. So when I was walking in, she stood up. And when she stood up, I was like, wow, she's really young because you couldn't even tell she was pregnant, you know, from behind. And I could tell she was just little and from what she had on, you know, I was like, oh, wow, she's really young. And so as I started getting closer to her, she turned around and she looked at me. And when she looked at me, I was like, oh my gosh, her eyes are beautiful, Lord. Her eyes are so beautiful. And what I was originally thinking was going to be a beautiful baby, you know, completely selfish. Like, oh yeah, she looks great. So <laughs> this is going to be a good looking kid. You know, she's young, she's healthy. Okay, this is making sense now. But what happened was all of a sudden, God showed me myself through her eyes. And he was like, she is a teenager and she is pregnant. And she is afraid and you've been there. And so you can share your story with her and you can help her through this. We ended up in this open adoption with this teenage girl and I got to go back and help her through the things that I was afraid of that I had run ahead of God on. He allowed me to see through her, don't get ahead of me because it can work out really good if you wait for me. We ended up adopting the little boy that she was carrying, Weston, our son. And a few years later, 
we ended up adopting her. And what I didn't realize was that God was going to uh, use my story to help her, that he was taking me somewhere to meet my daughter, who I had no idea was going to be my daughter, who happened to be about the age of the child that I had aborted. And so the Bible verse that I'd been trying to understand that says, he will restore the years the locusts have eaten away came to life through a story because I needed that story to show me the concept that I was trying to understand. And so God and I began to have this incredible, beautiful relationship. And this went on, went on for two decades, him just wooing me and teaching me and me learning and me, you know, failing time and time again and him picking me up and putting me back on my feet and just saying, come on, I still love you. I still love you. Just keep trying to keep your eyes on me, being so patient. And I came to this point when I was like, I want to tell everybody I know about you, God. I want to tell everybody your story, what you've done in my life. God began to open these doors one at a time, little things at a time. He would say, go mentor this person and tell them your story. And then he would say, go to this small group. You know, somebody needs to hear this in a small group. And and then one day he puts me in front of a, a church and I'm sharing my story with 2,000 people. And then a book, my friend Sarah wrote, A Broken Mirror. And, and so the book comes out and I'm like, wow, God. And so it's very important that we keep our eyes on him and that we don't run ahead of him. This is what I've learned. Because when I run ahead of God, then I don't allow him to complete the story his way. And if he doesn't complete the story his way, I'm missing out. I'm missing out so bad. But now he'll take it and he'll make that mess into his that works for him. What's that verse? Genesis 50, 20. What is that, Sarah? Um, it is what the enemy means for harm. God means for good. So he takes all of that stuff that I mess up so bad and he uses it for good. So I don't have to worry, but it's just so much better if I keep my eyes on him. I don't really know when I kind of got off track with like with my keeping my eyes on him. And I, I think it may have been about the time that I started to envision or I started thinking how cool it was going to be when I became the next Priscilla Schreier. <laughs> At, or, or when I started getting frustrated because Kendrick Brothers were not knocking down my door for the next blockbuster movie. You know? I mean, I was like, I know you gave me that vision, Lord. And I know that Priscilla Schreier is awesome, and she touched so many people's lives, and I know that that's it. Like, that's the plan. And I know that the Kendrick Brothers make awesome movies, and I go and watch them, and they touch. I know I'm not the only one that learned through the Kendrick brothers, you know? But God was like, you know, you're wrong. That that was my vision for them. It's not my vision for you. And when you run ahead of me, you miss out on the vision. And so I was like completely frustrated. But anyway, so one day I'm, I'm used to, I'm feeling all good about my story and stuff. And I'm used to people asking me to share with them. And so... I was, I ran into this lady that worked with my dad and she said, Hey, would you share your story in my Sunday school class? And without asking God, I just immediately ran ahead and I was like, absolutely, absolutely. As she continued in that conversation, I began to understand that she was asking me to share my story in a county jail. I was like, finished the conversation and I got home that night and I was like talking to my husband and I was like, Stan, 
I just don't really think that I'm called to, to do prison ministry or jail ministry. You know, I just don't. I'm feeling very uncomfortable about this. I don't really want to do this. And so Stan, who is the voice of reason in our marriage, was like, okay, let's peel the layers back. Let's see, like, what's going on here. And so he said, like, what are your fears? Like, what are you afraid of? Why are you feeling this way? I was like, well, I'm afraid that they are going to hurt me. I'm afraid that this sounds crazy, but I was like, I'm afraid that they're going to have like these little homemade weapons and they're going to, they're going to uh, take me hostage and then I'm not going to be able to leave. And Stan was like, I think you've been watching a little too much uh, locked up roll. So I was like, okay, all right, all right, I think you're right. So he kind of talked me off that ledge, and but I was still afraid, you know, I was still scared. Sweet, sweet Stan, which that's a whole nother story. God showed me how to wait for a man that really woos me and takes care of me and that I don't always appreciate. He does not get the credit that he deserves. But anyway, sweet Stan says, okay, we've identified fear. Now, what are you afraid of? Because we know that they're not going to probably take you hostage. And I said, well, I'm afraid they're going to be mean to me. And so that we identified, like, I'm afraid they're going to be mean to me. And Stan was like, okay. So what if they're mean to you? And I was like, it'll hurt my feelings. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just scared. And um, and so he was like, I, I don't think you have a really good reason not to go. And so I was like, I think you're right. I think, okay, I'll go. I don't understand it. And I'm afraid, but I'll go. So I get to the jail and I, sh- and I share my story. And it was awesome. And nobody was mean to me. And what I found there was a whole lot of women with a whole lot of really horrible coping skills that were really unhappy. And so I could identify with that. And then they could identify with me because I told them my story and that's what I was. And so they could see me through my story and I could see them through my, through their story. That's how Stone Stories was birthed. I started writing down their stories because every single person's story matters. God says we're all created with plans and a purpose and he will complete the good work that he has started in us. And so if I'm here, then there is a purpose for my life. And so I'm like, okay, all right. So now I think I know my purpose. I think I'm supposed to tell these women's stories. I think I'm supposed to go into the jail and it's going to be awesome. And there, it's going to be one big happy family. And so I kind of went back to that Santa Claus mentality. It did go that way for quite a while. And then one day I was in the jail and I had my little routine down and I was like, telling them my story and, you know, passing out the books. And, you know, God said, give it away. I mean, I'm like giving, I'm thinking Kendrick Brothers and he's saying, go give it away in the jail. You know, like mine was so much different than his. Man, his was so much better than mine. And I was thinking like the world and God's thoughts are are higher than our thoughts and his ways are are better than our ways. And so I'm in there and I'm I'm doing my thing. And I'm like, man, this is it. We got it. You know, we got this thing going. And so all the girls walk in and to the table, there's a little place we call the library in this particular jail. I have no idea why they call it the library because there's not a single book in there. <laughs> but they, they all fall around this table, you know, a little conference table. And so they're all coming in. I've got their notebooks out and their books and stuff. And so they all come in except for one girl. She takes her chair over to the door and she turns it around backwards and she sits in it. And I was like, I'm not really sure what to do with that, you know? (laughs) And so I walked over there to her and I was like, hey, my name's Kelly. Would you like to come join the um, group at the table? And um, she looked at me and um, she said, I just came in here 
because I didn't want to be in the pod by myself. And so I was like, all right, cool, you know. So I go back to the table and, you know, I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm kind of feeling like a little flustered, you know. And, uh, and so some of the regulars there were like, uh, that's just Shaquilla. Don't worry about Shaquilla because she's just coming off a crack. You know, she's just feeling bad from the night before. And um, I thought, oh, she feels bad from the night before. So I go back to the table and I get this bag of candy. And I go over to Shaquilla and I go, hey, Shaquilla, would you like a treat bag? I've got treat bags, Shaquilla. And Shaquilla very creatively and very quickly told me what to do with the treat bag. And so I go back to the table and now I'm really feeling it. Now I'm really sweating and I'm really nervous and I'm thinking, I don't know what I was thinking. I do not know why I said that I would go into a jail and tell these women my story. It's exactly what I thought would happen. This woman is being so mean to me. Like, and, and now I can't get out. She's got her chair in between me and the metal door that is locked. And I can't get out of here. So all of a sudden, this girl named Tess says, Miss Kelly, tell us your story. You got a really good story, which Tess is my friend. I said, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll share my story. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so Shaquilla turns her chair around and she says, yeah, Miss Kelly, tell us your story. I have to tell my story all the time because I'm an addict. And I was like, I think she's mocking me. <laughs> I believe Shaquilla's mocking me. And I just don't really think I'm going to tell her my story because she's mocking me. And just as clear as day, the thought dropped into my mind. I heard these words. You know what? I was mocked so that all the little girls that were abused could know what it felt like to have true love. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I heard I was beaten for all the girls that thought they had gone too far to know that they're forgiven. I was spit on. I was nailed to a cross. And I took on all of that so that you could live your best life. And so I'm going to need you to get up and I'm going to need you to tell that story to Shaquilla so she can see me through you so she can get this concept because she's not getting it any other way. And so I sucked it up. I hope that that's not, is that a bad word? I hope that's not a bad word. <laughs> and uh, I sucked it up and I told my story. And by the end of the story, um, Shaquilla had made her way over to the table and she was eating the candy. And I was just glad I made it through it. Uh, I gave her a copy of the book, gave her a treat bag. I was like, whatever you need, let's just get you on out of here. And they left. And so that was it. And so I came back uh, about a month later and, I, and everybody was filing in and we were back in our routine, you know, and everybody was taking their seats and in walked Shaquilla. And I thought, not today, Satan, not today. And, uh, but anyway, Shaquilla came straight to the table this time and she pulled her chair up next to me and she said, Miss Kelly, I got to tell you something. And I said, all right, Shaquille, what you got to tell me? And she said, I got thrown in lockdown right after you left uh, the other day. And they gave me three books. And one of those books was yours. And she said, and I didn't want to read it because I didn't like you. I said, well, don't sugarcoat it, you know. <laughs> and she said, but I did because I, I didn't have anything else to do. You know, all you got is a mattress and, and nobody else is around. And I started reading your story. And she said, Miss Kelly. My story is like your story, but my story is dirtier. And I said, again, thought dropped in my head just as plain as day. No, Shaquilla, your story is not any dirtier. This is just what it looks like to be forgiven. This is what it looks like to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so your story is not any dirtier than mine. Every single person in this room has a story. Every single person on the planet has a story. God knew us before he placed us in our mother's womb. We were in relationship with him. It says he knew us. That means he knew us. And so if there is something that you are seeking, it is that relationship with him because you knew him before you ever got here. And somebody is waiting to see him through your eyes so they can get the concept through your story. Somebody is waiting to see that light coming out of your eyes so they can get the concept. Everybody's story matters. Everybody's story matters. If it's the one or if it's the 99 or if it's all the people that get to hear the Kendrick Brothers movies and Priscilla Schreier, everybody's story matters. And if we run ahead of God, we're going to miss out on the best story that we could have ever imagined. So today, Actually, yesterday, my friend Sarah, who's my mentor, who helped lead me to Christ in so many different ways, who helped me in that relationship, said, well, do you, the first time I ever shared after she wrote the book, you know, I was feeling all good about myself. We were in, we were, Sarah had been doing this for a while and she said, hey, what are you going to talk about tomorrow? And I was like, Holy Spirit led? I don't know. You know, I was like, you're supposed to prepare for that, you know? And, um, and so Anyway, so I've learned it is good to prepare, you know, but you do have to leave room for the Holy Spirit to work. But anyway, yesterday she said, Are you, well, do you know what you're going to say? You know, and I said, well, God has given me every single thing except for the ending of the story. And I just don't have it. I just don't have it yet. And so last night I woke up like every hour on the hour just on my face, like praying, Lord, give me the end. Lord, what's the end? You know, I can't get up in front of all these people and not have an end to the story. And God said, that's your answer. You don't know the end. I do. And that's why I'm God. And you've got to keep your eyes on me. So this is what he he said to end with. Arise and shine your light for the glory of God is upon you. Your story matters. And he'll take you all the way to the end. You can trust him. You know, Katie, you mentioned in the beginning that basically this story sums up storytellers. Mm-hmm. And one of the very last things that Kelly says is that somebody is waiting to see Jesus yeah. through your story. And I think that we could stop right there. Right. Because she paints such a beautiful picture of the importance yeah. of our stories, what God does when we share. And, you know, we talk about this a lot, especially on social media. It's been a place where it's, we've been talking about it recently is that sharing your story is not about you. It's not prideful. It's not, you know, people can go, I don't know, I just don't like talking about myself that much. But what really is happening is that you are sharing what God's done in your life. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful picture she painted when she talked about the Lord wooing her. (laughs) And when she said, God was the perfect gentleman. I like that. it literally gave yeah. me chills in that Southern drawl. Yeah. I loved it. And, and that he wooed her. Yeah. And as women, quite frankly, we crave that. Mm-hmm. We're created to, to kind of have that desire. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great picture that, that he, you know, that she just said he took me slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, I also liked how Kelly was just so vulnerable in sharing things that, a lot of us wouldn't want to share with other people. And Uh I really hope, you know, as I listen to her story, and especially as she spoke at the end about Shaquilla, I really just hope somebody hears that what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. And your story is not too dirty 
for the Lord. Mm-hmm. He wants to take, in fact, those dirtiest, you know, things that you want to hide from the world and use them for his glory. You know, we've heard those verses before from Joel chapter two, verse 25, um, that God can restore the years that the locust ate. And he can. I want someone to hear that out there because a lot of times we can sit in our shame of our past and our choices and, and not just sit in them, but just regurgitate them when she because said, we go back to it. When she said, you know, Shakila, this is what it looks like mm-hmm. to be forgiven. Yes. That's what she thought to herself. And for those of you who have not seen Kelly, <laughs> Kelly is truly radiant. I mean, she she is beautiful outside and inside. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so easy for us to assume that when you see someone like that, that they look like they have it all together. When in reality, she's just free. Mm -hmm. She's free from her past. She's free from her story. And that's our prayer for you today, that you would hear this and that you would find freedom in your story. That's right. And know that every person has a story. Yeah. So thanks for listening today. Obviously, you can tell how much we loved Kelly's story. We thank her for sharing. And we would love for you to share it today. If God spoke to you through this, if he brought you freedom in any way, we want you to share it with others. And we also want you to tell us. We love when you tell us how God speaks to you through stories. So you can reach out on social media. You can find us at Storytellers Live Podcast. You can send us an email on our website, storytellerslive.org, or you can email us directly at info at storytellerslive.org. We read them. We love that we save them. We pass them along on our team. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.